0: Before we begin tonight, and having prayed, um, I want want to begin by making a confession. I am really bad at this. I I reflect so well on what Paul tells Timothy uh, in 2 Timothy when he says, do the work of an evangelist. Because quite honestly... I hate this. I hate this process of of sharing the gospel with other people. It it goes against my personality um, because I I am not, as much as it seems, I like to stand up in front of people, I like to talk to people in groups, I am scared to death of talking to people one-on-one. It it actually, um, so I'm just going to throw this out to you all. If you see me standing at a fellowship event, like we're you know like an after church thing, where we're eating cookies, or an after major event thing, where we're eating cookies or drinking coffee or whatever, and you just see me standing there, help me out by coming and talking to me because I really it scares me. You'll be eating cookies. I'll be eating cookies, <laughs> right? So we can you know we can kind of grump, blah, 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 blah cookie together. Um. So it goes against my personality. Um, I, I do not I don't do this easily but I do it and I have done it and I have had the opportunity of leading people to know Jesus as their Savior so with that in mind the, the way I kind of look at it is uh, I, had a, I had a I had a geometry teacher in 10th grade who absolutely loved mathematics he, he would go home At night, and do all of the math work that we were doing in 10th grade because he loved doing it. And then he would come back the next day and he would hold us all to this amazingly high standard because he loved doing math and he couldn't understand why some of us history guys absolutely hated geometry. I look at it this way. I don't think I do this well and I'm scared to death of it, but I do it which probably makes me a better teacher because I know how you guys feel. If you have never had the opportunity to share Jesus as your Savior, then I might be the right person to tell you how to do it. And, and I might be the right person to kind of give you some insight into how to make it work. There are better evangelists at Marsh Corner Community Church. Um, and they probably are the people that you want to find out how they get into these conversations and how they make it work, but I want you to hear me out tonight um, as I address this issue, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, we can get to a place tonight where this uh, this works out well. All right. So, in talking about talking about Jesus, um, I'm I'm not going to begin tonight by throwing you into um, lots of plans of attack on lists of how to share the gospel with other people. We'll get there. I'm planning on spending about an hour with you guys tonight. That can be stretched out when you guys start asking me lots and lots of questions, but uh, I want to spend about an hour, so I'm going to try and distill it down to that time. I want to talk about how you get there first. Um, We Back in the back in the '60s and the '70s, there was this huge evangelization push, which was great. Um, James Kennedy, who was pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, developed the concept of evangelism explosion. Uh, There were some other work plans out there, like uh, Project Philip, is another was another really good thing where you had um, you had dating right. You had a series of cassette tapes. And you would kind of lead yourself into a conversation with somebody who needed to know Jesus, and you would come back with a cassette tape three times to visit them at their house and share Jesus over a cassette tape. Which was that
1: sounds like it would still work.
0: <laughs> yeah. so, just do the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, share the podcast. No, yeah, no. so I mean now now it's just, you know, we're gonna have you show up three times with thumb drives to stick into their <laughs> Not, you even know. yeah. Yeah. Uh, not, not even Yeah. Not even a thumb Drive. No. You would download it. Yeah, just on, yeah. We're going to watch three YouTubes together. There you go. Over. Right. Right. Which is, you know, which is kind of like, it feels like sales. Which, of course, leads me to a great joke. You ever hear about the, the, the woman who answers her door one day, and this guy, this guy that is standing outside, as soon as she opens the door, he throws a clump of dirt in on her carpet, and he says, ma'am, with this super fantastic vacuum cleaner, I will will be able to suck up all of that dirt that I just threw on your rug, or or I will eat it with a spoon. And she says, you better grab a tablespoon because I don't have electricity. And there are a lot of people who feel that way about evangelization. Like I'm going to invite myself into somebody's house and I'm going to hold them captive in their own home until I get through this entire evangelization process and they're going to accept Jesus one way or another or I'm going to leave. This is not how it works, folks. It's not how it works. This is not what I'm expecting of you in sharing Jesus with others. I want you to understand that we are all part of a team. I'm going to talk about teamwork a little bit later. But the reality is that we're all part of a team of sharing Jesus Christ with this world. And we all have our responsibilities to play on the team. And you may have the joy of sharing Jesus with somebody... That you will never ever ever see come to to Christ or come to know Christ, and then you 're in heaven one day uh, and you see that person, and the answer is that you opened the door and twenty years later somebody else shared Jesus and closed the door and they got saved and and it has you, you weren 't there, but you were the setup or the startup um, or the you know or the closer or We all have a part to play, and if you're not skilled in this, you'll never be able to set up, you'll never be able to start, and you'll never be able to close. So, my objective tonight isn't to uh, enable you to write the the book, The 10 Greatest Soul Winners, and How I Won the Other Nine. My objective tonight is to tell you how the game is played and send you out onto the field to try and play it a little bit. Because in reality, it takes practice. So here's the first thing you need to learn. The first thing you need to learn is you need to learn to talk Jesus. You need to learn to talk Jesus. So... um, and you can chime in anytime you want you're behind me so it's
1: not just, as easy sorry about that yeah usually we're facing each other in this thing yes
0: yeah yeah so um when i mean talking jesus i mean start working jesus into your conversation
1: this one's kind of tricky i think i think we we have like good intentions on this and it turns into talk we use like, more christian code words yep right so we just say well, like i we you know some if you key in and you hear somebody use the word blessed, you're like, ooh, I wonder if they're a Christian, right? Right, right. Or like you know, I prayed and I had this parking space, and you know, we kind of tend to do some of those things. We spiritual. It, there's this line I feel like where right. we can get this place where we're spiritualizing everything, and then. It's it's that moment in Casablanca when the guy turns his collar and
0: happens to point out that he's wearing the uh, the French resistance collar button underneath his collar rather than wearing it on top because wearing it on top would get him killed. And so, you know, we throw... it's
1: right, coat words Yeah, we have those. Yeah. So, yeah, so there is... I feel like this is another <laughs> one of those skills to be aware of that we need to talk about Jesus and bring Jesus into conversations. But to do it being aware of who our audience is. Like, I think one of the places to start on this, uh, there's, a, there's a great old, there's a good, it's old at this point, there's an old book called um, the, uh, um, the Master Plan of Evangelism or The Master's Plan of Evangelism. I can't remember if, it's, if there's an S in there or not. Um, but it's a great book, it's worth picking up. And uh, um, he begins this whole process by talking about how to make people a priority in your life. Um, and to uh, make sure that you're just around other people right, and finding ways to be around them, it, and uh, um, that first step is key here. Like as we're trying to learn how to like interject Jesus into conversations, it, you have to have conversations with some people, right, right? Right. And it's easier to like know how to have that conversation when there's somebody that you've spent some time getting to know. Otherwise, you're it, it's kind of the difference between like throwing like a lot of chum out on the ocean and hoping some kind of fish comes up to eat it, versus like thinking about like a targeted lure for a specific kind of fish that you're looking for because you know the waters that you're in.
0: Right. So let's talk practice on that. Let's talk practice on that. We want you to learn how to talk Jesus, which doesn't necessarily mean going to these lists of, of ideas or these outlines on how to share Christ with someone as much as it's learning how to just share your relationship with Jesus with others. And I mentioned it this morning. Ed, we have this half hour at 10 o'clock. Um, it, we used to be able to do it, and actually uh, I was talking to Dave afterwards, and Dave said we have we now have crowd mics. He put these in. We have congregational mics now. He said we can now direct that, and we could actually go back to doing... Crowd testimonies on a Sunday morning and have it picked up on the on the 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 YouTube video so that people would hear it, which of course may not actually encourage you to share your story, uh, given the fact that you know.
1: Now it's going to be on YouTube.
0: Now it's going to be on YouTube, and you know, 42 million people are going to hear it. Not this week, but you know, um, (laughs) maybe 42. But. Use that time. We talked this morning in the men's, in the men's Bible study about uh, the concept from Psalm 9 about, about recounting God's um, wondrous deeds, his glorious deeds. So the way you practice this is to come loaded for fellowship time to share something that God did in your life this week
1: this is this that's kind of this that's a good point because I think for a lot of us we're like how do I share Jesus with my non Christian friends and we're not even sharing Jesus with our Christian friends boom right
0: right so using the fellowship time is an opportunity for you to come and share um a story, an event, something you got out of your devotions um it, it's it's the opportunity in that in that half hour to and, and, you know, don't don't monopolize somebody's time. It's the time to come for that half hour and spend five minutes talking to five people. That would be 25 minutes. so You still have five minutes to drink coffee in between. Um, just sh- learning how to share your story. Learning how to share the things that God's doing in your life. Which, of course, then, it's, it's wonderful because it also means that during the week, you're looking for things that you're going to share um, on Sunday morning... And you're developing a sense of talking Jesus. Now, another thing that I do when it comes to talking Jesus is that I'll use Bible quotes um, as just as a means of of sharing good thoughts, because the world loves good thoughts, of just sharing good thoughts with people. Um, so uh, I I I love the proverbs. And I think that they're great for living daily life. So I'll be just, I'll talk to somebody in a grocery store or on the telephone. And uh, I, I'll throw it out kind of along the lines of Confucius says. I'll say, well, you know, Solomon says. And then I'll quote a, I'll quote a proverb to them. Because people love that stuff. They love proverbs or nice little pithy statements. So I'll just say, well, you know, Solomon says. And, and just kind of throw that out there. Just to tickle people. Just put something in their ear that makes them come back, and kind of like, now, sadly, there are too many people out there who have no idea who Solomon is. Uh, they think he's some Jewish guy that goes to temple in, in uh, New York or something, which there's there's probably a couple, probably a couple. Um, but, uh, except his name is probably Shlomo, because that's the kind of the current but anyway, um, just kind of tickle their ear. So that kind of means another thing. Ready? If you're going to talk Jesus, you kind of have to have an updated, good relationship with Jesus. Just you got to be out. You got to be in it, uh, and you got to be active with it. And the power of the fellowship and bouncing stuff off of people on a weekly basis in that ten o'clock fellowship time, or after church, or whatever just serves to make you stronger. All right? That's that's my idea number 1. Learn to talk Jesus and not just talk at people about Jesus, but to talk about what Jesus is doing in your life cuz it it'll challenge the status quo and that's cool. And you can do the same thing, right? You don't have to we're going to talk a little bit about sharing your life story in a few minutes. You don't have to share your life story to get into a conversation that leads to evangelization. You just have to talk about what God's doing in your life. And people will see that you have a different life because God's doing stuff. And they'll want to know more. They will. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Second idea I have is build friendships. How many of you have known Jesus as your Savior for more than, uh, I'm going to, more than 10 years, more than 15 years, more than 20 years, more than 25 years, more than 30 years? All right, you oldsters, Um, how many non-Christian friends do you have? like people you would go out to dinner with? Good, good, good. And here's what I have found. The older you are spiritually, the harder you have to work to develop intentional relationships with unbelievers. You just, you have to dig at it. And and part of it is this... Building these people, this family, this is just an awesome, awesome place to be. and and these are our friends, these are the people. I mean, if if I was considering, you know, if I was like saying to Cindy, hey, let's go out to dinner tonight, let's do we want to invite somebody to go with us? Yeah and I have to, have to just you know here's a sideline, okay. I praise the Lord for Cindy because she's the opposite of me, which is kind of that whole concept of help meets. Yeah, Joe's happy. Somebody is an opposite. Um, so so I'm, I'm gregarious in large crowds and isolate myself in small stuff. Cindy hates crowds well, I mean she doesn't mind being in the crowd. She doesn't like to stand in front of the crowd. Um, but individuality individual stuff, boom, she is she is amazing. So Cindy is my Cindy is my bait for friendship development. Because what Cindy does is she's she's in the world, she interacts with people she invites them to our house she we, she she'll say you know you know hey we're going out to dinner with so and so and i'm like oh okay who's so and so you know or um next week she's going next friday she's going to the uh the the stolen paintings museum down there in boston well over okay. there yeah 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 she's going to the gardner museum with this friend of hers and and it's She's great. She makes friends. She she is really good at it. We all need to be really good at it. We need to find people who don't know Jesus in our lives. And a lot of times that's things like um um the, maybe give up a church meeting other than Sunday morning. You hear me? Give maybe give up a an evening at church, and uh, join a bowling team, um, or a softball team, or a or a knitting circle, or a photo club, or take a class, or you guys go to the senior center, right? She does. She does. Okay. So I mean, you guys are in the you, you guys are in the fishing business, you know you. Basically, what I'm saying is start making friends where the fish are. Put yourself where the fish are so that you can get to know them. And then the second thing you do is then you play team. team. We're a team. You may not be comfortable with sharing the gospel with somebody, but maybe you know somebody in the church who is. So work together. But what you do what you're doing there is you're developing those relationships and you're trying to connect those relationships with other people in the congregation. So, I mean there the statistic stuff is crazy because here's here's the reality, right? God is going to save people who are going to get saved. Right? But it takes it the average person comes to know Christ as their savior when they have actually had a relationship with five people. So, If you love your friends and you're developing this friend relationship with others, that means that you kind of have to develop that friendship and then connect them to five of your friends at the church so that the six of you together can all bring the gospel from all six voices. And all six voices are now... that, That person is now saying... Wow, I know so many people who who think this way. Maybe I should change my
1: mind. And and yeah, the other big thing about that is, like, you you talked this morning about perceptions of different cultural things versus like the truth of how many people exist in culture, right? And um, I think there's a perception of what Christianity is, and then there's the reality of what Christianity is. And it takes getting to know other Christians and be around them. To be able to put aside what you've heard about Christianity versus what you see in Christianity. Right. And so, having, you know, inviting that friend of yours that you, you know, you've made friends with this person who doesn't know Jesus yet, <laughs> and you know they would connect well with other friends in the church and creating a space for those relationships to blossom, then they get to see like the reality of how Jesus works in somebody's life versus what they've read on the internet. And so, that's just, that's a, that's a key piece here. Right,
0: right. Which takes us to the next step. And that is, when you have built a, re- built a relationship, you can build a Jesus conversation. This isn't a talk Jesus moment. This is now a build a Jesus conversation. And to me, this begins with what you were saying, Joe, about, uh, about being a listener. You need to hear their story. And you need, you need to hear their whole story you get to know them. But do you ever steer your friends and your conversation to find out their their church story, their Jesus story? What do they know? Where are they from? What what have they heard about Jesus? And and you know, I'll ask I'll ask my non-believing friends, and I've had a bunch of them, but I'll ask my non-believing friends so tell me about your tell me about you and God, or tell me about you and church, because that's also a little bit easier. Too many people, a lot of people equate church with God, and you want to break that barrier down eventually, but it's a safe place to start by saying, tell me about you and church. Do you go to church somewhere? And, And you'll hear all kinds of answers to that. Oh, I'm Catholic, right? And and the response to, oh, I'm Catholic is, oh, that's interesting. When did you go to church last? You know, what, you know, I I hate to ask this question, but what kind of Catholic are you? You know, get them to talk. Irish Catholic, yeah. Oh, they're the worst. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, yeah. You know, just... Get get the conversation tell me about tell me about you in church and tell me about you and God. And if they tell you you know I, you know all right I, I don't go to church that often Christmas, Easter, I don't go to church at all. Um, I used to go to church, but you know this is a big one here up here in Massachusetts I used to go to church, but you know uh, all the priests are corrupt, they'll tell you because of that whole scandal thing that happened. 20 years ago and it's still happening probably unfortunately too much and then you ask the question I I like to ask this one too and it's, it's very impersonal very important to keep this one impersonal why don't you think people go to church because it's that perception thing right Everybody wants to think that they are in the majority. People don't go to church anymore. 65% of the population of the United States doesn't go to church. So they probably are in the majority, but and it's worse, given the fact that given the fact that everybody in Arkansas goes to church on Sunday, you know it's pretty bad in Massachusetts. Just saying. Let them Hear them out. Why don't you go to church? Not, not. please don't do that. Why do you that. think people
1: don't go to church? Yeah,
0: don't ask them, why don't you go to church? That's defensive. That puts them on their defenses. Why don't you think people go to church? you get some really, you know, you get some great answers on that, you know. Church is corrupt. They're only after money. Um, I... You know, I like this one. I did that once. But the people were terrible. Or, you know, all kinds of answers. Find out their Jesus story. Find out, find out their church story. Get to know what they're thinking as far as church is concerned. And this is not the time to press the evangelism button. You're pre-evangelizing. All of this stuff, all of this stuff is pulling up weeds, pulling out rocks, breaking up soil, or even worse, pulling up concrete slabs that are covering the soil so that you can actually get to a moment where you can share Jesus. Learn to do these things In fact, work at those. I would even recommend taking three to six months of your life and just working on these. And I know, I know, I said this morning, Paul is standing in Athens, and he's looking at all of the people walking by and all of their idols, and he is provoked in his spirit and he can't help himself, and he starts reasoning with people, and he starts dealing with people, and I know you're probably provoked. That's good. Channel it into actually developing the ability to to talk to people. Last step, uh, I mentioned team up. Yep, team up. Um, Learn to do all of those things. When you have learned to do all of those things, then you can start, then you can develop the bridge to actually evangelizing. And the bridge to evangelizing is sharing your story. Sharing your story. Yep. So here's the, here's the start of this um, We live in a culture that is driven by a philosophy called pragmatism. Pragmatism is the concept that tells you that you have free and infinite choice that you are able to choose all of the things that go on in your life, and what you choose is good for you because it 's your choice, which is really weird because you've got programs you know you've got programs in school that are telling your kids uh, not to take drugs, but if they do take drugs it 's their choice um, and you know so it it works out in this theology world too because um, no choice from a pragmatic culture, no choice that you make is a bad choice because it's your choice. Well, if that's the case, then your experience with Jesus is something worth sharing because it's your choice, and no one can look at you and, and realize this. Realize this: pragmatism is. St- Deeped into our culture, has been part of our culture for over a hundred years. So when you sit down and you're talking with somebody over a cup of coffee and you say, so let me tell you my experience, and you tell them about asking Jesus to come into your life and to be your savior and how that happened and the things that went into that. They can't listen to you and they will not listen to you and say well that's pretty stupid because it's your experience. How are they supposed to question your experience? Your experience is key. But your experience is also the door to opening up their experience. So learn to tell your story. Learn to tell it in 30 seconds. Learn to tell it in 30 seconds. Learn to tell it in five minutes. That's the one you're probably going to use the most, is the one that you learn to t- tell in five minutes. And please, don't cheat that one by saying, oh, I got it in seven, that's good. Two minutes need to be hacked out of that. Right? Five minutes. And then, you, if you really want to, you can have a long form and go 15 minutes. All you need to know is a thumbnail of where you were before you came to know Jesus as your savior. You don't have to go into all of the gory details. This is this is this isn't unshackled. Which was the old radio drama that uh the Pacific Garden Mission used to do on on Christian radio. Do they still do that? Anybody Christian radio listeners that can they used to play the Hammond organ behind it. Do, 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 do. It was like listening to old, yeah. Did they
1: do that right before the shadow comes on?
0: Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, thumbnail of what you were. Spend the greatest amount of time in your so- in your story telling about what Jesus did, and then. You can touch it off by talking about what Jesus is doing now in your life. Learn to tell that story. And learn, like I said, learn to look for the God stories that are happening right now in your life. Because you might use, you know, an event in your life. Like, you know, oh, you, imagine telling your story. I'm gonna make one up. This is totally made up. Last week I was on my way to work and I had a flat tire on 93 and it was, it was crazy. It was unbelievably busy and, and I was able to get over to the side of the road and, and this tire was super flat and I was, didn't know what I was going to do with it and some, some guy out of the blue shows up and says, where's your spare? And he, opened, he, he helped me change, he changed my tire and actually got me to work on time when I thought I was going to be late because he just showed up. And I can't help but feel that that was a God thing. There you go. What do you mean it's a God thing? Well, doesn't God do things in your life? Well, I don't know if there is a God you just started a conversation about Jesus. Using something amazing that happened because God gave you a flat tire. Okay? Learn to use those things to start God conversations. Now, here's the deal. You're now, you're, we're now going to go into the nitty-gritty of how to get there because we've got 15 minutes left. And 15 minutes could save some life. Wow! Did you like the way I did that?
1: I'm not sure if I liked it.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. You want to lead into a conversation about Jesus. I have two questions you need to use. These are not mine, these are James Kennedy's. They are priceless. Learn these two questions. They're diagnostic, they will help you move forward. First question you ask If you were to die tonight, Are you sure you would go to heaven? Now this is not the question to ask at the rifle range. While holding a very large caliber rifle, right? (laughs) If you were to die tonight, are you sure you're going to heaven? (laughs) No. This is a diagnostic question. You're going to get three possible answers. Yes. Yes, I know I'm going. No. I don't know if I'm going. And maybe. Most folks that don't know Jesus, you know how they're going to answer? Maybe. Their maybe is going to be couched in the words, I hope so. And at this point, you hit them with question number two. Question number two is, okay, and, and try and vocalize this yourself. I mean, just... Here's, what I want. Here's the thing with these questions. Learn to ask them in your voice. So the way you learn to ask them in your voice is you, you just keep, keep asking them over and over again. Maybe you ask them, you know, maybe as you're, you're saying them, you ask them with an emphasis on a different word in the sentence you just get to a point where you vocalize yourself. So here's the second question. The second question is okay, so if you were to die tonight and you were to stand before God and God asks you, "Why should I let you into heaven?" What would you say? Christ died for me. Boom. That's a great question. And at that point, at that point You're going to go through this evangelization series just to make sure these evangelization points just to make sure that you're talking about the same Christ died for me. Right? Again, from this morning, there's only about 3% of the population in the United States that are true, actual, stated atheists. Now, again, we're in New England.
1: So it's like double that. So
0: figure 6%. Right. Because, yeah, because... Yeah, it's really hard to be an atheist in Arkansas. I'm just telling you. Um, first of all, you're in Arkansas. So, anyway. Uh, try and get an answer here. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? They get mad at you? All right. Come back later. Here's the other thing. Listen up, folks. Your skills and abilities in this area are not going to get a person saved or not saved. God is really good at clean up an aisle six. And you might walk away from an evangelization moment and say, oh, I didn't handle that well at all. This person's going to hell. No, they're not. God will take care of it. You've just... You've just planted the seed. In fact, somewhere along the line, somebody else is going to come along and share Jesus with them. They're going to come to know Jesus as their Savior, and they're going to go back to, man, I remember this person doing this with me, and and they really flubbed it up, but wasn't it awesome that they tried? You know? Um, so, diagnostic. How you going to heaven? And... Anything other than Jesus is, is, is just, you know, um, Kennedy always says, you know, take the lead and say, man, I thought I had good news for you. I know I have good news for you, which really sounds like a good sales technique. It's like you're selling them a used car, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but you can say, hey, I have something to share. I have something to tell you. And, and share Jesus.
1: I think one of the things that's nice about this, especially with the maybes, is to be able to say, like, would you like to be able to say yes? Would you, be like, would you like to be certain?
0: Yeah. Would you like to know?
1: Yeah. Like, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I'm not sure. Like, w- what would you do right, to be able to say for sure yes? Like, how would that make you feel if you knew for certain one way or the other? Absolutely. And then, like, because no one likes, the, the, you know, you talked about earlier about people wanting to be uh, in the majority but another thing about people is nobody, everybody wants like, assuredness in their life. Right? No one wants to sit in a place of not knowing one way or the other. Exactly. And uh, So you can go from there and be like, well, if I could tell you, like, you know, one of the things that's helped me to know for sure um, where I'm going after I die are, are a couple of things. Would you, would you be willing to hear you know, what's helped me know? You know? Would you be willing to listen to some things that I know for sure right. um, that have helped me in this? Move me from a maybe to a yes, definitely. Um, Yeah.
0: Learn these things that I'm going to tell you really well so that you don't become tense in this. If in sharing the gospel, you don't feel like you can take a bite of a sandwich between bites, you are not comfortable with this yet. You have to learn... To know these things so well that you're not feeling like a salesman. None of us are salesmen. We have nothing to sell. What I'm about to give you sounds like a sales pitch because I'm giving it to you condensed. We're not selling Jesus. We're sharing our relationship with him. I'm going to give you the evangelism explosions. St- method first because it's awesome and and let me let me caveat this questions abound all over the internet all over all over Christendom with a bible or without a bible and the answer is it depends with bible verses or without bible verses and the answer is it depends if if you're sitting and talking at lunch with one of your coworkers to me that is a non-bible conversation with bible verse optional links if you so choose now i'm not a heretic I have never played one on TV. Some people are gonna be upset with me. You are talking about you are talking about dangling bait in front of the fish. And and if you pull out your your Thompson chain reference and plop it on the table in front of you, that that's kinda of like that's like showing the hook. Don't do it. Now, if this is after, a, if this is after a, a, a Bible study somewhere and somebody wants to know, pull out your Bible. That person came to a Bible study. Guess what they're looking for? Bible. Good. Good. All right. Here's what you need to remember if you're sharing the evangelism explosion method. Five words. You're gonna work your way through these five words. I still do this. I'll share Jesus with people, and I'm like in my mind, I'm checking off my five words. Right here.
1: Sometimes even in like presenting the gospel during a sermon, you're like, all right, let me do. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah exactly. I'm just like checking them all off. It's just like in my brain. All right, so you got to get these. Here are the five concepts: E E Evangelism Explosion. Says you work in. Grace.
1: Man. Isn't it God first? Grace, God, man? You're nope. Grace, man, God. Grace, man. All right.
0: God. You can do, obviously, you can switch it. Hey, some of these are interchangeable. Interchangeable, right? Well, number one. <laughs> I five, start with grace. I start with grace, yeah. and I, I end with, yeah.
1: So, grace. You man, do your thing, and then I'll explain my thing. God.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Christ. Belief. What's your method? What's your direction? So, I go grace than God because I like to clarify who we're talking about the same God. Okay. Because God is such a nebulous concept for a lot of people, right? And so, I like to hone in on that. Like, hey, so, when I just want to make sure, like, when I'm talking about God, this is what I believe, this is who I believe God is. Or, you know, we talked earlier about if God lets you into heaven, when you talk about God, like, who do you think God is? Like, just to kind of Refine that before then. I move into who we are based on who I believe God is. So that's why I, I kind of go that angle. But both okay. work. Yeah. yeah. Understood. Understood. And I think you can switch. One. Here's the other thing,
0: right? If you're talking to somebody who has no God concept, you might want to start with man. Yeah. Paul does that in Acts 17, right? When we're talking, in, when we're talking this morning from Acts 17. He starts with, he starts with man, and then goes to God. Mm-hmm. So but it is also possible to go God to man. All right? Grace, man, God, Christ. And he end with belief. Now expand this out with me, all right? I'll, I'll expand it out. Grace. It is not earned or deserved. You define what grace is. Grace is not earned or, des- or deserved. So you, when you talk to people about, you know, well, God has shown us grace. It's something that isn't earned, and it isn't deserved. It's his unmerited favor toward us. How do I know what grace is? If you want a Bible verse, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And you're really going to emphasize the beginning of it. By grace, you were saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any boast. So you're going to focus. Grace. Who is man? Who is man? I man is sinful right man is sinful yeah but made in the image of god right right so i'm going to start i i tend the positive god has made man in his image so that means man is creative he's intelligent he's wise he's skillful he's a leader he does has all of these great characteristics but man is imperfect man is a sinner Man is a re- a rebel. Depending on who you're talking to, depending on who you're talking to, you might want to use the word imperfect over sin. You can introduce the concept sin later, but you really want to. You might want to start with imperfect. Everybody relates to imperfect. Not everybody relates to sin. But then you come to that point where you say, "Man is imperfect." He he does things wrong. People still die. Doctors, doctors with the greatest skills still, still lose patience. Uh, we're imperfect. Um, and that imperfection, the Bible calls sin. Everybody can relate to that. You want a relating verse? You can use, you know, for man, man is created in God's image. You can use uh, Genesis 126. If you want to understand that uh, man is a sinner, Romans 323. God. Two things about God that you you bring into your conversation. One is that God loves us. What verse would you use for that? Duh. John 3.16. There you go. You already know one of these verses. So you use John 3.16. God loves us. Uh, Or you know, you can use the scripture that says I have loved you with an everlasting love. God loves us. That's a, those are great that 's a great concept, but God is also just, and he cannot abide sin in fact here 's what, here's what Jesus says in matthew five he says, "Be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. well, if God is perfect and he only has to and he only has abides perfection, and here we are imperfect, that puts us in a pretty bad spot um, Another verse that I like there is um, Habakkuk, and that, this one's just fun. Habakkuk one thirteen, I use that just because I get to say the word Habakkuk, <coughs> which automatically, I mean, to me that's a winner. It, you know, it draws somebody in. Habakkuk 1.13, uh, which says that God, God is of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Well, if that's the case and, I, and I'm imperfect, I'm a sinner, then God can't even look at me. What are we going to do? Christ, who is both God and man, comes into the world, lives a perfect life, goes to a cross and dies for man's sin. All sin. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to use Romans 3.23 there. Uh, I'm, I'm, going to show, I'm going to use Romans 5.8 god commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners christ died for us i might use second corinthians 5 21 if i want to branch out which says uh, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of god all right jesus dies and he rises again never leave jesus in the tomb folks He rises again to demonstrate that he is the master over death and that he means what he says. Which takes me to word number five, which is belief. And, you know, belief is... Uh, I, I use Romans 10, 9, and 10. Um, you can use... Um, Acts 16 16 31 31 right Uh, if you're talking to Presbyterians you're going to get in trouble with the end of your house but you still can use, you know believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved Um, but belief belief has to be defined you have to define that it's not just oh I think this and it's probably right and it's good for me it's it's more than just intellectual assent it's Actually, it, in other words, it means to completely put your trust in. Um, you can use, you know, here's one of those moments where you use a physical, a physical prop. You know, maybe you take a book or a box or a, your, your iPhone and you say, to believe means to, to not just hold on, but to actually put your trust in. To actually lay all that you are in the control of Jesus. The chair. The chair,
1: exactly. The chair. Th- yep. The chair is is great. I think like the oldest illustration I can remember on this one is the the tightrope walker over Niagara Falls. John Blondin. Yeah. Yep. Talked about like, do you believe? You know, he walk. He does all these th- stunts over Niagara Falls on a tightrope, then asks all the reporters, you know, do you believe I could take somebody in a wheelbarrow across this? And everybody's like, "Yeah, we believe. We've been watching you do this." And then he says, "Who would like to get in the wheelbarrow, right?" Um, and that's you know, those are different beliefs, right? The belief that he's capable versus the belief that I'm gonna actually put my trust in the guy and get in the wheelbarrow myself. Right. So, right, yeah, and that's, a, that's what you're yeah, working toward. That difference people. between like like the um, temporal faith versus a saving faith. Like you can have this like. Um, like this temporary faith that something is possible or could exist versus something you're going to actually put your trust in and and believe in. Right. So another method, you can use
0: those same verses, is what I call the meaning method. And it begins with God's love. It says, it begins by saying that we were, we were made by God to love him and to be loved by him. So you're automatically connecting this idea of God loves me. Um, There are a lot of people that struggle with that, that God could actually love them. Um, I'm I'm a fan of the far side. Um, And you get an interesting perspective on God from Gary Larson as an unbeliever. Because what you see of God is somebody who's capricious, um, somebody. You know, my, my 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 illustration of what most normal people, what most normal unbelievers think of God is God is standing up in heaven with his hand over the smite button, watching me walk, just waiting to hit me with a hit me with his worst, right? And and I think it's good from the meaning perspective to ta- start saying, God loves you. He designed you to be loved. He designed you uh, to love him. And, and that gets to that idea, you know, that God, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and then you move to, there's a problem with that. Even though I've been designed to be loved by God, I took my design or we took our design as humans, and we, we rebelled against God. We decided we wanted to be the ones who determined our own way. Isaiah 53.6, you might want to throw that one in here. We're the ones who determined what we wanted to do. And when we determined what we wanted to do, God looked at us and no longer saw a perfect creation. And that imperfection is sin. So every time we do what we want to do, and it's not what God wants us to do, we're sinners. And you automatically connect people into that. I have found, by the way, you don't have to take a long time to convince people that they're sinners. Most of them know it. And most of them have just excused it. But when you start talking about it, you know, they connect with it pretty quick. Um, There aren't really that many perfect people out there. (laughs) Um, So I have the problem. Man by nature rebels. Um, The Bible calls that rebellion sin. And so the relationship was broken, and God needed to do something about it. So what God did was he sent Jesus. Jesus. So God acts on our problem. God sends Jesus, he dies on a cross, he takes away man's sin, he rises again from the dead to demonstrate that he truly is God. And then what God did is he calls upon us to respond. And here's, and this one has this one has a response. I, I call it the, opposite, the the reverse ABC it's confess, believe, and accept. So, C stands for confess. Confess that you're a sinner and that you cannot save yourself. Believe that Jesus died to take away your sin. Accept him as your master or boss or Lord or the one who has the right to have authority in your life. In my notes, I'm going to have a lot fuller explanation of that.
1: So um, those... So I have two scenarios for you. Yeah. All right, because we're, yeah, we're getting into a lot of content here, which is really good, but maybe this will be helpful. I, in, my, like, in my experience, you tend to run into two types of people. Once you're into this conversation, like once, once you've agreed to be in this conversation about spiritual things and uh, you've moved past some of those initial barriers and now you're talking with a friend who wants to hear why you love Jesus or whatever you're into you're into it now and it's okay Um, i have found that you either end up with somebody who is relying on their goodness to get them to heaven right like i'm a spiritual person i'm nice i um, give to charity and you know i'm just kind of thinking that will be enough um, so you've got that person. So I want you to kind of develop a response for that person. And then I also the, I also run into a person who is the opposite, who thinks I'm a mess. Right. Um, my background is terrible. Like if you knew what I had done, and if you're telling me God knows everything I've done, then there's no way that God would ever love me. So like those are the two people I run into the most yeah. in this. Yeah. So how would you respond to each of them? So here's here's what I would do with the person who's like, you know, I'm pretty good.
0: Um, I, I usually ask, oh, well, you know, okay, so you're pretty good. That's great. Um, the Bible says that we're sinners. The Bible says that really all it takes to demonstrate that I am a sinner is one imperfection. And and I use the word demonstrate because we're all born of the sin nature. But that's really too deep of a conversation to get into in, a, in an evangelism moment. So I go to, well, you know, all right, so... Here's the problem. You are a good person. I know you're a good person. You, you know, you loan me your lawnmower every week to to mow my lawn, or you 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 brought chicken soup to my wife when she was sick. That's I, I know you're a good person. I'm not questioning that. But what if if all it takes is one imperfection to demonstrate that you're imperfect? And a sinner. Can you think of one thing that you've done that was wrong ever? If that one thing that you did, as small as it was, was enough to keep you out of heaven, wouldn't you want to do something about it? Now, I'm not asking you to feel... Injust that that's unjust. I'm telling you that God is just and He weighs all of our you know He weighs all of our sins. So I'm just saying, is that one imperfect If that one imperfection was enough to keep you out of heaven, wouldn't you want to do something about it? What would you do with it?
1: Yeah, similar. And I think, like, but I think sometimes the response to that is, well, I do. I try and do all of these things. You know, I did. I know, like when I was like six years old, I stole something, and you know, like they don't. It's never major, and so in their head, like. The bad thing they did is never so bad. And so then, because that thing isn't so bad, then all of the good things that I've done can overcome that. And so then you can go from there and be like, well, let's say like, you did like three things a day that you just knew weren't perfect. Well, like three things a day, that's a thousand things a year that you've done that are imperfect. And you're, what, 40 years old? So if we start doing some math here, you've got a lot of work to do to try and catch up for all of those things that you've done over your life. And that would be overwhelming to me. Wouldn't you want to know that there is one solution to this rather than trying to spend your whole life wondering if you've done enough to measure up to this problem, like to measure up, wouldn't you like one thing? Yeah. Because there's no way. There's no way you can account for all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And God knows that in his grace. And so, yeah. So let me give you another scenario. And I've used this one a lot. I
0: will ask people. So, what is the value of a sin, and what is the value of a good thing? Is is there a clearinghouse somewhere that I don't know of that that puts a value on these things? Like, you know, if if I, you know, if I if I use a bad word on Route ninety three, does it, as I'm driving to work in the morning. Does that have less value sin-wise than if I use a bad word in the checkout aisle at Market Basket because the bagger is low? Does is there is there a value there? And if there is a value, what is the cross value? What is the positive? How many right? How many That's how many thing. good things do I need to do yeah. to outweigh a bad one? Can you can the
1: calculus is overwhelming.
0: Yeah. What, what is this math? Tell me this math. Because, you know, I can't... No one is going to argue with you that they've done, they've done stuff. Because every one of us has done stuff. So, so now I'm throwing them into this... Right, this is... That's, uh, that last one is called the logical, the logical argument of absurdity. If I reduce the matter to its absurdity, what do I gain, what, you know, what do I see from it? And, and that's, that's an argument ad absurdum. So it takes me down to, you know, that absurd moment. So now I've, now I've put it on a level, and I've taken, I kind of taken that out of the equation, because the person who's saying, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person, is arguing against their sinfulness. Now let's talk about, let's talk about, you know, Let's talk about Adolf Hitler. <laughs> right? Yeah, let's, yes, let's talk about, Vlad, you know, we could talk about Vladimir Putin, you know, let's talk about Bruno. Um, let's, let's talk, we don't talk about Bruno. Let's talk about the, if they ever copyright that, do you know how many podcasts are going to get slammed?
1: Oh, man.
0: Anyway, um, let's talk about the really bad guy. Like, oh, I'm so bad, God could never save me. And, you know, at that point, I'm like, well, again, you can use the value thing. Well, how much are your sins worth? What, what is the value that you put on your sin? And if you take all of your sins... And Jesus says, I've come and I've paid for all of your sin. Um, Don't you think that he means it when he says all? I mean, value, surely there are people who are more wicked and more evil than you, and the Bible says that he can take care of that. Or, you know... um, You could also argue from the concept of you know what you see as overwhelming. God and His Majesty, sees as a simple simple solution. And the simple solution is that Jesus says, "I've paid for all of your sin." Um. You could then, if you wanted to, you could actually point out people in the Bible who were sinful. And you could go that direction. My, my favorite fallback on that one would be Peter. Thanks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> There's this you, guy, Peter. He lives down the street from me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I mean, you, you can pick on Peter. You know, Jesus says before the crap crows, you're going to you're going to deny me three times. This man denied Jesus. Denied Jesus with an oath. And Jesus, Jesus restores him. He says, he, he, he actually doesn't just restore him. He says, He says, He puts him in charge. He gives him a job. Man. What kind, and you can, you, you know, what kind of God does that? The God who's able to take away all your sin, too. That's what the kind of God does that.
1: Yeah. There's so, so many good examples. Yeah. Peter's one, Paul's another one, right? He's overseeing murder. Yep. You know, um have you murdered anybody or made, helped make that happen? Um the uh the Philippian jailer I like talking about, right? Like, you know, this isn't just like a guy who wears a badge who, you know, you know, sits at a computer all day to make sure the inmates don't run away. The, you know, Roman jail you know, a guy who's a jailer in Roman era isn't a, isn't a nice person. Um but his whole I have visions of, uh, of
0: um, blazing saddles, and I can't possibly do it Tuesday, yeah yeah can we <laughs> do it Thursday yeah,
1: yeah so they're, like, the, the Bible is full in fact one of the things that the Bible does is point to all of these flawed, broken, evil human beings who Jesus saves, right. and he's still in the process of doing that, and then depending on your own story, you can go there too yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not my works. So. Right.
1: Thief on the cross, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 He also pointed out that when he was asked, which is the worst sin, he said sin is sin. Yeah. Yeah. Sin is- yeah. And, you know, so that's a great argument, Joe, the whole concept of, you know, what is the greatest sin and all sin is sin. But here's, here's what Jesus says. He says, the only sin that's unforgivable is the sin of turning down the opportunity of trusting Jesus. That's what denying the Holy Spirit is. The only sin that can't be forgiven is the sin of hearing the message of Jesus died for you and turning away from it. So, you know, this person who says, I've committed all these sins. I do not know that God can forgive me. You just have to look at them and say, well, listen, here's what the the Bible says. There's only one sin that's unforgivable, and that's the sin of turning, turning him away. You don't want to do that one, too, do you? Let's, let's, let's handle that one and allow God to take care of all the others. All right. Last thing I want you to keep in mind. This one's the easy one, sort of. The <laughs> Romans Road. So here's what you do with this one. You know the flow and you, in your Bible app, highlight these verses. In your Bible, highlight these verses. Your Bible app is on your phone, so it's a lot easier to grab. You can take people through what it means to trust Jesus as their Savior by just following these verses in the book of Romans. You begin with Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You move on to Romans uh, Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How do I, take, how do I get that? Romans 10.9 and 10. Because if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. How do I do that? Romans 10.13 For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If all you did was take that list of Bible verses and got to know them and worked them into telling them as a story you could share the gospel with anybody. Alright, final thing. Learn to close. Learn to close. Which my wife tells me, it's time to close. Learn to close. By close, I mean, and you don't have to close every deal. You don't have to close. People don't have to get saved, but you need to be prepared. The two questions I ask people to find out if we're we're in a place where we can close, the first question I ask is, does this make sense to you? If they say, I think so. You can do one of two things. You can keep them there for a little bit longer and try and share it. Or you can say, well, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. Maybe we'll have an opportunity to talk again. It's okay to walk away. I hate to say that because some of us think that we've got, it's okay, walk away. Um, Does this make sense to you? The nice thing about leaving it there is... If it doesn't make sense to, to them and they, they're serious about it, they'll chew on it and they'll come back to you. By the way, when they come back to you, I go through the whole list again Grace, man, God, Christ, belief. I kind of like, let's recap. Here's what I said. All right? Second question If, if they say to you, yeah, this really does make sense. Your next question is awesome. Ready? It's, would you like to ask Jesus to be your savior? Which this is the moment where most of us say, "Ah, no, what do I do now? Pray the prayer. That's all it is. I'm going to pray and then you pray with me. You need to deal with sin. You need to talk about Jesus being God And they need to invite Jesus into their hearts. So think of the CBAs. God, I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for me. I accept that you're my king.
1: Boom. Amen. Welcome them into the kingdom.